Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash ZJB. This independent learning activity is funded by Alexion AstraZeneca Rare Disease. Although myasthenia gravis is a very treatable disease, patients still have significant morbidity from the disease, including side effects from its treatment. For decades now, the treatment of myasthenia gravis has been much more effective than it was previously because of the availability of immunosuppressive agents and the knowledge that this is an autoimmune disease with antibodies directed against proteins on the surface of the muscle membrane. But the big difficulty with these immunosuppressive treatments is that the time until maximum benefit can be in the order of many months. And for some of the agents, including azathioprine and mycophenolate, it's probably more than a year Moreover, patients have significant side effects from the long-term use of corticosteroids and immunosuppressive agents. These medications don't directly target the complement system, which we now know is directly involved in the pathogenesis of the disease in the majority of patients. And the use of complement inhibition, especially earlier in the disease, may significantly avoid some of the morbidity from the immunosuppressive agents used in myasthenia gravis. The newer treatments offer the possibility of more selective immunosuppression in myasthenia gravis. Eculizumab, zelucoplan, and ravalizumab are targeted towards complement inhibition, whereas fcartigimod is targeted at blocking neonatal FC receptors and reducing the concentration of pathogenic antibodies in myasthenia gravis. And they've all been studied in randomized clinical trials and shown to be effective. We now have eculizumab and ravalizumab available Treatment is highly individualized and depends on a number of factors, including the age, gender, disease severity, and importantly, comorbidities. Once the diagnosis is made, then treatment can proceed, starting with anti-acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, following on with steroids, and then other steroid-sparing immunosuppressive agents can be added. But because of the importance of complement in the pathogenesis of myasthenia gravis, we know that complement inhibitors are effective to improve the status of patients who have refractory myasthenia gravis for eculizumab, and more recently in the case of ravalizumab for patients who have generalized myasthenia gravis of any severity. Generally, I'm considering the use of eculizumab in patients with myasthenia gravis who are moderate to severe and who don't respond to at least the first two stages of treatment, including symptomatic treatment using acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, i.e. peridostigmine, or with prednisone or corticosteroids. My own experience with eculizumab has been that patients improve. The patient who had myasthenia gravis for about 30 years and who has struggled with her disease despite treatment with several different immunosuppressive agents, once on eculizumab within several months, her disease status improved significantly. Ravalizumab is the newest kid on the block in terms of the management of myasthenia gravis. The population that was studied in the CHAMPION trial was different than that in the REGAIN trial that looked at eculizumab. The trial in eculizumab looked at patients with refractory myasthenia, whereas the CHAMPION study looked at all comers regardless of whether they were refractory to conventional agents. 
Importantly, when you look at the severity of the myasthenia gravis in patients who were enrolled, you'll see that many of them were mild, so MGFA class 2, either A, mainly limb girdle, or B, mainly bulbar, or moderate, so MGFA class 3A or 3B, severity myasthenia gravis. This is a bit different than the Echolizumab trial, where more patients were severe. Patients underwent a randomized controlled blinded phase of the study that lasted 26 weeks, and then all patients were entered into an open-label extension phase where they all received active compound ravalizumab. This graph shows the results of the blinded portion of the CHAMPION study, and within four weeks, you're already starting to see that the group who received ravalizumab are improving relative to the group with placebo. When you look at the degree of improvement using the primary endpoint of the MGADL total score, this is a patient self-reported score in which they rate their symptoms on a variety of different spheres, including ocular, bulbar, respiratory, and extremity. There is significant difference in favor of ravalizumab. These graphs show the secondary endpoints. Again, patients who receive ravalizumab did better than patients who received placebo. I now have two patients on ravalizumab, both of whom came out of the CHAMPION trial, and both continue to do very well and have managed to reduce the doses of some of their immunosuppressive agents while improving in terms of the severity of their myasthenia gravis. The main concern in terms of safety with ravalizumab, as in aculizumab as well, is the fact that if you inhibit complement, patients are more susceptible to encapsulated bacterial infections, most importantly, meningococcal infections. So it's very important to make sure that all patients treated with complement inhibition are immunized against meningococcus at least two weeks before they start treatment. Patients who have active infections would not be ideal for treatment with complement inhibition. Although we worry about meningococcal infections, complement is important in the body's defense against other encapsulated bacteria. So things like pseudomonas are encapsulated bacteria. You should not be considering the use of complement inhibition in patients who have active infections. When they looked at adverse effects, patients who had any adverse effect were of roughly equal proportion in both the ravalizumab and placebo group, but severe adverse effects were infrequent and were only very slightly, but not statistically significantly, more frequent in the ravalizumab group. The side effects that did occur are generally side effects that happen day-to-day in many patients, regardless of what treatment they were on, including headache, diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. Importantly, there were no meningococcal infections that occurred during the trial. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the trial that looked at ravalizumab was different than the eculizumab trial because patients did not need to be refractory to conventional treatments. And the question arises, when should we be starting this treatment in patients with myasthenia gravis? There's some evidence that the earlier we start this treatment, the better the outlook is after complement inhibition. And that makes sense when you consider the disease pathogenesis, that the activation of complement is resulting in the destruction of the neuromuscular junction. I choose patients who will receive complement inhibition based on a number of factors, but one of the most important factors is disease severity, and I would encourage all physicians to use the MG Activities of Daily Living Profile. This is an eight-item scale with each item rated on a score of zero to three for a total of 24 points. The higher the score, the more severe the myasthenia gravis, and it's patient-administered, generally a cutoff of about six points is what you should be looking at to start to consider that the severity of their myasthenia gravis is such that they might be a candidate for treatment with complement inhibition. 
So to summarize, we have very effective treatments for myasthenia gravis now, and the outlook for patients in terms of mortality has steadily improved over the last several decades. However, we still have a large gap in morbidity that patients may still remain symptomatic and may be suffering significant side effects from their treatments with conventional symptomatic and immunosuppressive therapies that are available. And I think the new complement inhibitors will fill a role both in treating patients who have severe refractory myasthenia gravis, as well as patients earlier in the stage of their disease who have generalized myasthenia gravis but are not refractory. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.